welcome to episode eight of Dungeons and Dax. This is Interactive Shenanigans with Tana O'Banion. Tana, thank you so much for coming on. And it's wonderful to finally meet you. <laughs> and thank you for having me. It's so it's so funny that you say that. Because in my head, I feel like I know you so well. But you've never... because you've met me. You've met Dax. Yeah, but you've never spoken to me. You've only ever spoken to a character I've played. <laughs> so those of you who don't know Tana, she's awesome. And she has done a lot of work at Evermore Park. And that is where I met Tana. You were a caroler. I'm playing Lee Violet. I was. And since then, so many awesome things have happened for your character <laughs> and for your career. And... Let's let's talk about those things because you know they're exciting for me. I've been following that for years, but then I want to get to know Tana finally, okay. the first time. So tell us about how you became Lady Violet. Well, I do a lot of theater, and I was in a show with an individual that used to work at the park, and he gave my name to the previous, the original creative team, and and so they reached out to me and they said, "Hey, can you come in and?" And I said, sure. And so I, I went in and we had a chat and they were really, really nice. They had me read a monologue and and then they were like, great, we're going to have you come in and be one of our carolers for our for our Christmas season. And I said, that sounds so fun. And I got to sing and it was really, really fun because that's really all they wanted me for is just for me to sing. And you have uh, a wonderful voice. You're very nice. Um, you have a terrible poker face. Okay. <laughs> Terrible poker face. Yes, I will say. But the more I got used to the way that people interact with the actors, or rather with me in the park, the better I got. Hmm. I don't know. I beg to differ. You see how I remember Lady Cloud <laughs> being the caroler. My wife was invited up. You were bringing people to, to carol with carol with the carolers and you were giving them around the fire. Around the fire. It was awesome. It was snowy. It was magical. It was beautiful. And, you know, my wife used to be in choir. I used to be in choir. I didn't tell you that, but she volunteered and, you know, you got to share music with her. And then we started making faces at you yeah. during your performances. I remember that. And you tried so hard to play cool, to stay focused, but we got you to break so many times. And so we kept coming back again and again to Evermore. It was before we had little creatures of our own to take care of. Yeah. Bethany and I would come frequently that winter. And every time we're like, where's Lady Violet? We need to go mess her. <laughs> okay. To be fair, I would break, I would stop singing. Like I would break character singing, but I wouldn't break like Violet character. I say in character. <laughs> but I Dang. definitely, I, there's just. That is an I, important distinction. It is a very important distinction. But I, I will say this. Favorites are a thing. People, even actors at Evermore, have favorite patrons of the park. And you two, still to this day, because I don't act in the park very much anymore now that I am behind the scenes. But I, you and your wife are, in my opinion, the top tier individuals that oh. would come to the park. The best. The best. Oh. So it, it was more <laughs> of a, a comfort level. And like, you guys are being really fun. And like, I can... Violet can be herself, which is essentially a British version of me. It's so great hearing you with an American accent. I love it. <laughs> yeah, because you only ever heard a mm -hmm. Surrey type 
accent. That's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, we loved coming to see you. And Violet became so much more than just a caroler part. We were talking a little bit before the stream about some of the work you put into this character. And as you were doing that, I'm like, no, save it for the stream. Oh, yes. Good stuff. But now is your time. Tell us, how did Lady Violet become the complex three-dimensional character that everyone well, it started behind the scenes, and it also was influenced by the patrons of the park, or we call them world walkers. So when I when when Violet became a character, just a caroler, they only gave me her name, which was Lady Violet Atkinson, and the daughter of a famous judge in London. That was it. And so during rehearsals, getting ready for our summer season, which was Mythos 2019, I became really good friends with two individuals who... Shout out to Caden Cameron. They played Ozymandias and Maxwell. And we didn't have a lot of direction. And so we we actually created our backstories of our characters together. And we wove them together. Ozymandias knew Violet's father, who was a corrupt judge, all this fun stuff. And it just kind of unfolded. And then I had a meeting with the creative team that let me know at the time that they had plans for my character. But they didn't tell me what those plans were. And so I essentially just made Violet, I, I wanted her to be the better version of who I am, which was just like really, really nice and always super approachable. And I mean, this is how I am normally, but Violet was like, hello, welcome to the park. It's lovely to meet you, blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's so good to hear that again. <laughs> and, the, and she became the one of the first people that you would meet when you come in. And as a patron of the park, you look for somebody who's familiar, like that first person, just because it's like, oh, you're that almost like a safe space. And throughout the season, she she went through some stuff. Her burn, her her burn, her barn was burned down. <laughs> her uh, burn barn, her barn burn. Yeah. All <laughs> this drama. Burned. She had a love interest. And then the ultimate like ending of the season was was her being elected as mayor. And obviously the behind the scenes, they had plans for her. They wanted to, her to be the mayor. But I asked them because I'm this person. I was like, did you have to, did you have to like fake the numbers? And they said very honestly, they said no. And they would show me the numbers of counting. And they actually, Violet would be the one that would win at the end of every voting. And so. We voted like, for you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> for me, you voted for Violet. Yeah, voted for Violet. <laughs> but. Hispanic um, character. <laughs> but she she ended up not needing the 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 story team to make it so they've like messed up the the or like fudged the numbers. It was the world walkers who chose her to be the mayor and so you won um, a you, you won a an election the old fashioned way. I did. Just 100%. By being nice. <laughs> You didn't should, even I have to run a smear campaign but... against the other candidates. <laughs> Again? You didn't even have to run a smear campaign against the other candidates. It was just nice and wholesome and the way democracy should be. I love I'm it. I'm so funny. 100%. I agree with that. But <laughs> that's funny because there were, there were if I were, like, now that we're talking about it, I remember all of these conversations of people being like, well, let's spread rumors. And I'm like, no, because, again... Like my number one thing when I was creating her was that she was kind and honest and she was all about uplifting people. Like we have these things called lossies, which are essentially 
individual quests or activities that you can do to earn. At the time, it was gold, which was the the currency of the park. Um, I still have my bag of gold. <laughs> yeah. So for for me for Violet, her Loxy was compliments. So I would look at that. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. Wow, she she's rich. Look at that. This was, you know, my gold and Bethany's gold that we saved up for like a year. And I dropped some of it on the floor. Uh, those of you listening and not watching, there are little gold nuggets. Well, they're little pieces of gravel. <laughs> also, if you hear any dog noises, my dog is sleeping right next to me. So <laughs> just wanted to, for anybody listening, but but yeah, so so her Lotsi was was either having you go out and talk to a complete stranger and compliment them based on I would try really hard to avoid looks because I feel like her world is is way too obsessed with what people look like. So I would try to have them have a conversation and and learn something about an individual and compliment them based on that. If it was a stranger situation, but if it was a family situation or friends or I would love it when there were kids. Because I would have the kids compliment their parents, specifically their moms, because I feel like, I mean, I told you this before, but I feel like moms don't get thanked enough for all that they do. Same with dads. I feel like vice versa. No, dads get to be the cool ones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Growing, I have the best parents in the whole wide world, but they, they were pretty equal in like good cop, bad cop. So they, they took turns. But, but yeah, it was so fun to watch because... It was it was heartwarming, really, because the kids would compliment the moms or say thank you or whatever. And then the moms would actually get pretty emotional. And it was very, very sweet. And then they would get their gold and run off. And it was so, so fun. And and Violet kept that up until she was no longer no longer the mayor. No longer the mayor. What happened? Did you get deposed? She did not get deposed. The the town executed. (laughs) She was framed actually and so she was removed from office and her deputy mayor Vela, if you remember her she was an elven ranger she took over and this was the transition because they wanted me to come in and play the villain because i had played violet for five and a half seasons and they were like girl it's time it's time for you to be a different character and i was like i welcome this thank you so much I love Violet, don't get me wrong. I, if I could, I mean, it's old lore and, and she's a character that people, I still get messages from people asking about how she is and which is really, really, really sweet for me because I'm like, oh my gosh, I played this character that people ended up really loving. I love her too. So shout out to all those people that still send me messages. But but yeah, so she she ended up being framed and she was later proven innocent. But she decided to go off to London and be with her sister and follow, find out what was happening with her romantic relationship with Mr. Philip Humphreys, the the postman. <laughs> he was my other favorite. Yeah. When I found out that there was like a love interest subplot going on. I shipped that so hard. Well, you, you and multi- there were a lot of people. Because not only would you get people to compliment each other, but Philip made it his personal mission to learn each and every guest's name. Uh, And when they came back, he would remember 
their names and remember little details about them. And, you know, we felt special because he remembered our name, but then we would just sit back and, and watch other people. We thought we, we were the exclusive ones, right? We were top tier guests, but no, that he was just that nice and that awesome to everybody. And, and when there were all these subplots and main plots going on where, you know, plagues were infecting ever more before plagues were cool. They were winter. I don't even remember the main plots as much. I had more fun hanging out with the side characters like <laughs> you and Philip Humphreys. You know, it was a nice, like, cozy slice of life in the middle of this, you know, conflicted fantasy world. I agree. I I loved, because I only ever world walked the one time when I was, like, trying to figure out what it was. In between the time that they had me come in and between the, the time when I was in part. And it was so fun to watch. Like, there were these, the main characters, but, I mean, side note, the main characters are the world walkers to us. Like, our, our main thing is to make you guys the heroes of the story. It just so happens that our characters are, help, we're the PCs. But Philip, specifically, the actor who played him, love him to death, his name is Brad. He never wrote anybody's names down, ever. He that was just his brain remembering. It was so, so incredible. And I obviously I remembered the people that I really, really loved, like you and your wife. And I don't know if you want me to share names, so I won't. So but you You and your wife, a couple other people. So I love Bethany. (laughs) (laughs) Bethany's great. Shout out to Bethany. (laughs) And like Pip Plum and oh, my gosh. And Rachel ever more adventurous. But now she's Mm -hmm. ever adventurous. There are a lot. There are a couple individuals that just. Near and dear to the heart. So what are you up to these days? We know Evermore has been through a lot of periods of, of change when they've been adapting their model. I am also a business owner, so I'm fascinated with the behind the scenes things of you know, how things work and how things are profitable. They're doing a lot more markets and there's more of a focus on vendors. But what are some of the cool things that are changing that make you excited? events really we're doing more special event type situations like we just actually had a our first murder mystery in the park last weekend was our first it yes rivers cove that that stuff is really exciting the tea parties that we have are so fun so if you ever want me to want to see me in character a lot of times i will be characters for those because it's easier for me to to also run the show but also make sure that the show is working and and facilitate in character so if you ever want to participate in that regard, I highly recommend it. There's so much fun. A lot of work and rehearsal goes into that. But my favorite season is lore because I'm spooky season. Yes. If you can you can see in the background here, I've got like this rainbow Jack and Sally painting that I got yeah. at Annex last year when I was working the booth. But yeah, definitely. I have my evermore coins. Where am I more? Here's one of them. Oh my goodness. And being my absolute favorite coin. I collect a lot of different fantasy coins and I use those steps in my games. I think my favorite one that I have is this season of lore with the Ah. vampire skull on it and grail on the back. What season was that? Does it say? Evermore lore 2019. Okay. In the before time. In the before times. 2019. The 2019... We were so young back then. (laughs) It was so intense because Violet got attacked by by those 
all the plagued people and I actually end up little behind the scenes stuff they weren't supposed to attack me when they did and it ended up me ripping my dress because <laughs> oh, no because they weren't supposed to and I was like running around I was like you guys but we were it was crazy and so one of my favorites shout out to this family Ross and his family they actually stood by me while I tried to fix my dress because it had ripped so bad They'd put up making a it like a human shield wall to <laughs> yeah <laughs> And so I put my cloak over and I was like, well, repair rack, here it comes. But, but yeah, so to, to where I am now. So when, when the pandemic hit, obviously things happened. And so the park had to make some adjustments. And so the individuals that were asked to be the directors, like the, the COO at the time, well, yeah, he's the COO and, and my boss, she's the director of entertainment. She was actually an actor in the park. They both were. He, he was, if I remember, he was Galite, and he was one of the triple Aries. And then she was the spider princess, if you remember okay. her, and she was also a fairy. The acolytes, they were the ones in the spooky bird masks. Yeah. And the, and the yeah. long flowing cloaks. Very cool. So fun. Such fun characters. But I I became really, really good friends with Adrian, and so she's she's my boss. But we would Marco Polo all the time, and we were just talking about like what our dreams were and I obviously my ultimate dream is to be on Broadway and and to do film and stuff because one I'm a plus size individual and I feel like more representation for plus size people should be out there but I I also really really wanted to get into casting and I want to work for Disney in casting I think that is like my ultimate if I could snap my fingers I would be doing casting for Disney and she remembered that conversation and so when she was building her team um, she asked me if I wanted to, and I said, yeah. So she originally made me the casting director, which I still do that. But then some shifts happened behind the scenes about nine months into our, the brand new creative team. And then she made me the assistant director. And so I do the casting, but I also organize a lot of stuff. <laughs> and so, so she and I have an incredible working relationship. We we have this work-life balance with each other. We can have a conversation where it's like, okay, this is boss Adrian to to boss Tana, and this is bestie Adrian to bestie Tana. Like we we're saying, okay, quick side. And we always preface it with that because we also want to make sure that we're not crossing or blurring those lines of work to to friendship. So it's very much a family behind the scenes, and we have an incredible costuming department. Christy is absolutely wonderful, one of my dear friends. We actually just went to the Tulip Festival together a couple weeks ago. Very cool. But yeah, so I'm the I organize all of the the auditions that you see, and and the callbacks, everything that that happens. We sit down and we create the characters together. We create the backstories of them. We collaborate on what we want their aesthetic to be. Ken, who owns the park, will have a conversation with Adrian, and then she she has this incredible mind. It's so incredible. I I cannot express or like boost her more, but what she comes up with is so magical. It's it's fantastic. And then being able to be a part of of creating that and bringing it to life is one of the coolest. It's like a puzzle piece, and which I'm sure you understand what that is because you're a professional. DM. Yeah. Right. So it's really fun to to see all of that come together and then and then 
my favorite, my ultimate favorite part, Dax, is literally watching these actors. I cast them and and then we sit down and we work and and I provide them with their information, right? And and I work on their accents with them. I'm the dialect coach. So Scottish and Irish and we we try to avoid French because it's really hard to understand sometimes if you're <laughs> a really, really good at a French accent. So then there's the RP and just standard British. And then sometimes we bring an American because it's really fun to have that. But my favorite part is is when the park is open and you see all of the preparation that my actors have put in and bringing it to life and seeing the joy on the patrons or the world walkers faces and it's them getting fan art and and youtube stories made of them and all of these beautiful photos it's so cool it's like oh there's my kid <laughs> there's grown up no, this is cool. I've never been a casting director, but every time I start a new campaign, I, I'm meeting with players and helping them bring their characters to life, finding out what their play style is, what sort of their their strengths are, and what yeah. you know emotional needs they have when they're gaming. And then I work to meld their backstories with the plot of the campaign. So that they feel like the heroes, and I love that Evermore has that same that same mindset. That you know, the guests they're they're the heroes, and everything else is designed to support them. And so the NPCs that I create in my games also, I can't think of them as the heroes. It's the it's players that come in that make people feel awesome. Yeah. That's what we do, Tana. We make people feel awesome. That's the best part. I cannot explain. That's my. There's not enough kindness, ever. Like in any of my bios that I write for a playbill that I'm in or in a show that I'm in, a program, the end of it will be "Have courage and be kind" from Cinderella, and it starts with that. It's like our ultimate goal, and that's actually Ken's biggest thing. The owner of the park, he cares so 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 much about the the experience of the guests. He just wants people to have fun. And and whatever that may look like, but the park is literally like a love letter to to people and wanting them, the creative individuals out there to have a place to be who they are and to just be happy. So kindness is really important. I love that. I love that. Um, we we talked about Ripper's Cove, which was the most recent event. Yeah. Any other events you can tell us about that are coming up? Any secret ones that you are at liberty to talk about? Not secret ones, but we will have another Ripper's Cove in the spooky time. So around September, not like a Ripper's Cove. It'll be another murder mystery. It'll be um, Ripper's Cove, but spooky. Yes. Actually, twice yes. as much murderer, murder, <laughs> just as much mystery. Murder. And we will have another tea party. This one will be Pirates versus Knights. So that'll be really, really fun. It's more geared towards kids, but our first one was was Alice in Evermore. It was like a Alice in Wonderland adjacent theme, and it was it was I was the Red Queen. So and did you it, get to we, say the line? You know which line I'm talking about. Did you um, get to say the line? The off with your head. Yes, <laughs> I did. I did say it to the individual playing the Hatter, but. We have to be careful because we obviously there's copyright issues and we mm -hmm. don't we don't play with that stuff. 
Yeah. So because Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland, the book is in the public domain. Yes, and that's Disney what version. The stuff that comes from the Disney version that is not, and they will hold on to that as yes, tightly they as they will. possibly can. Yeah, so the, it was it was the public do- domain stuff that we played with. but So yeah, so we're having another one, and they're geared more towards kids because they're, you know, we just want kids to have a lot of fun too. But it was so interesting because a lot with the first tea party, it was a lot more adults. Like there were barely any children out there, which was so fun. And it, it, I just love, I, I saw this post recently where someone was talking about how in every kid, there's an adult waiting to grow up. And in every adult, there's a kid waiting to come out. And I see that at Evermore. And and I also see that in other productions that I'm a part of as well with like the musical theater and mm-hmm. all it people get to play and release a part of them that they haven't seen in a really long time. And it's it's so beautiful. It's almost healing in a way. You mentioned musical theater, and I am fascinated at the wall that is behind you that is covered oh. in playbills. <laughs> Are these shows you've seen or shows that you've starred in? The, both, actually. They're playbills from stuff I've been in, but also I love I love going to see Broadway shows. So, Baby. yeah, it's it's a work in progress, as you can see. It's like <laughs> There's still more always... wall to be covered. What are, what are the, some of your favorite roles? And some of your dream roles that you want to play. Okay. Favorite roles that I've played. Mrs. Elton in the regional premiere of Emma the Musical. If you know Jane Austen. She was a delight. I love her so much. Miss Flannery in Thoroughly Modern Millie. I I tend to play the comedic side characters. That's like Mm -hmm. me, Jennifer Coolidge. That's (laughs) (laughs) not the main character, but just like comes on stage and is absolutely hilarious that's that's side characters and the villains are the most fun anyways i'm always yes and then adela who adela is one of ariel's sisters in the mermaid in the little mermaid skit and then villain wise one oh sorry the drowsy chaperone was a dream role and i got to play her and you were the star you were the drowsy chaperone of the drowsy chaperone i was the drowsy chaperone absolute dream which is so funny sorry side tangent I was in that show 10 years before I was in it again here and I had played a different character and I told myself the first time I did it that one day I would play the Drowsy Chaperone and then 10 years later it's so funny because I got an award for best cameo best female cameo for the character at the time was Trix that I played in the first the first go around and then while I was in product like we were open to the public my Facebook memories reminded me of the award that I got and how I was in like at the exact same time. It was it was so crazy. But yeah, then I was the drowsy chaperone. Did you get and to then, put your hand on the shoulder of the new tricks and be like, someday, ten years from now, you too <laughs> can be the drowsy chaperone. Keep dreaming. Oh my gosh, I didn't, but I should have. Her name is Abby, and she's incredible. I love her so much. The the girl who played her in when I was drowsy, but then villain wise favorite role was actually my villain, my character that came in after, right after Violet was gone. Her name was Sigrun Helmstead. She was Slavic. She was from Aurora. But that is such an epic name. Can you say that again? Like, menaced. <laughs> Sigrun. Sigrun. She was great. Sigrun. I loved her. She was 
she actually was the character that showed me that I had more range. Because again, I'm usually just the comedic, comedic relief character. Or in this case, I was the really like just meek and and loving motherly type character. Where Seagrin came in, and it was like <laughs> death upon everyone. <laughs> so it was really, and I got to learn stage combat with that. It, there was a lot of really neat things that happened with that villain. But th- I would say those are my favorite roles that I've played. And then dream roles, I want to be Rosie and Mamma Mia, which if I'm if I do this right, right there, that's a playbill for <laughs> Mamma Mia. Yep. I want to be Ursula in the Little Mer- in the Little Mermaid skit. I absolute dream. I'm a little bit too old now, but I would love to be Tracy Turnblad in Hairspray. <laughs> but I'm too tall for her. She's supposed to be short and stout, and I'm 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 chunky, but I'm I'm also five nine, so. And then Glinda in Wicked, which most people are like, I want to be Alphaba. I'm over here like, no, I want to be Glinda. (laughs) She's, again, she's the comedic relief, but she's also got this complex character growth that a lot of people don't pay attention to. And she's an antagonist through most of it. Yeah, she is. She's an antagonist. I love it. Um, And then there's some shows that I don't like very much that I would love to be in so that I could gain an appreciation and so yeah those would be i would guess i would consider dream roles as well but they're not like my go-to that makes sense yeah there's that (laughs) you you mentioned you wanted to ask me about my theater (gasps) experience yes it's been over a decade since i've been in an actual play in high school and in college that was my life I wasn't doing school plays. I was doing community theater. I did a lot of shows over at the Empress Theater in Magna. And, yes. you know, I was constantly in shows, like three or four a year. And in straight plays and in musicals, you know, didn't get to play any of my dream roles in that, that brief period of my life. And when I got back to college, declared my major, I got really busy and still did improv, still did D&D. But, you know, haven't been in a musical since, haven't been in a, an actual play since. I've been on stages, right? I've yeah. done performances with games and I've been panelists and a lot of those skills have carried on. But part of me wonders if I'll ever get back to actual play on stage. Maybe I need you to. I need you to. I need to see you in action. <laughs> One role that I actually played twice, once at a summer camp and later at the Empress Theater. I was an arsenic and old lace. I've um, never seen that show. Oh, you would love arsenic and old lace. It's about two sweet little old ladies who poison oh, yeah. lonely men who come into their house as a service and as a kindness to them, and they bury their bodies in the cellar. It's a it's a very dark comedy, and there are three brothers in it who all have their own issues. And I was Jonathan, um, the serial killer who one of the twists of the show is he finds out that his nice, sweet old aunts have actually killed more people than him. And he's very, very upset about it. And um, part of this character is he's supposed to look like Boris Karloff. And, you know, I just have high cheekbones and a deep voice. And back then I had hair on my face, but I shaved my beard for this role. My hair was black and slicked back and I had scars all over my face. And I made a little girl in the audience cry. 
This that, is good acting. That is a major milestone. Like yeah. It was a defining moment in my acting career. Made a little girl cry. And then the her her aunt who brought her was like, hey, you made my niece cry. She wants to just know how nice you are because we, we know you're nice, Dex. We know you're sweet. So here, here she is. And I just gave her a glare and she ran away. <laughs> you're like, no, I'm not ruining this. I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be the nice guy. I'm going to make sure that she knows. <laughs> So yeah, so I did I did Jonathan twice. Oh, fun. I've done I've been one of the brothers in Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. I've done I did Ensemble you, in Les Mis at my high school. Were you Ruben? Uh, I was Dan. You were Dan. Okay. I was Dan. Yeah, yeah. They're like Dan, Dak sounds the same. So sure. Um, sure. I did Pirates of Penzance twice, actually. I love um, that show. Someday I, I would love to be the Pirate King. Someday oh. I would love to be the Pirate King. And you could be the Ruth to my pirate king. Like, can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? That would be so cool. My absolute dream role. And, you know, I, I haven't kept up on voice lessons or anything. So, I, you know, not an operatic singer, but I would love to play Sweeney Todd. I want to be Mrs. Levitt. Listen, the Grand in Salt Lake <laughs> is doing that this, this, this October. Oh. Although get someone who probably has a lot more voice experience than than I do, but Sweeney Todd is you never know. Maybe ten years from now, if I start now, I know we'll go, we'll audition, we'll be small little minor characters, and then ten years from now we'll go back, and then we will be the leads. We're gonna (laughs) be like like Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler, where they only do shows (laughs) together every ten years. That's that's our, that's our <laughs> dynamic. Yeah, I'd love to do Sweeney Todd. I did not like the Tim Burton Johnny Depp movie at all. I am very upset with it. That's how I, I feel about Cats. <laughs> Cats wasn't good to begin with, was it? Okay, okay, you're gonna you're gonna judge me, and people watching might judge me as well. But that's actually my favorite musical. Oh, uh, okay. The yeah, twenty nine. Yeah, listen, yeah. I've studied it, so I actually know that there's a You've little bit of a studied it. There's things to study. Is there like an academic track to understand the deeper meaning? Isn't it just about cats? On the surface, yes. <laughs> I I did my my junior year term paper on Cats the Musical, and so I learned a lot about where it came from and and character development for each of the characters and what each character wanted. Like, it's there's a lot that goes into it. But the 2019 version of Cats the Musical is the most disrespectful, <laughs> and like it, it's so rude because not it showcases terrible, terrible, terrible CGI. And Jennifer Hudson's snot was like the number one star that I remember. And Cats to me, the musical is the epitome of of, of human creativity. Because it, it, I mean, every show wait, is wait, wait. Let's Let's quote that. You think Cats the Musical is the epitome of human creativity? Yeah. Uh, judge me if you want. Every <laughs> show showcases incredible creativity from... Pe- human beings are incredible what they do. But for me at the time when I had first seen Cats, it was the acting, like you're portraying a cat, which I thought was so fascinating. And they had it. They have it down. And then... The costuming, the costume design, the set design, the music, the vocals, the dancing, everything together. I was like, what a weird piece of art. And yet it, it's so beautiful and it shows 
what a human can do creativity wise. And then I was introduced to more shows and I was just like, oh my gosh, like it, it's what introduced me to theater. And, and I then they had to so put much. CGI all over it. And then that 2019 version came out. Listen, if you want a good version of it, watch the 1998 version. It is so good. <laughs> so good. I don't know if we'll ever share the stage for cats. I'm more of a dog person. I love dogs too. Look, you can see my <laughs> dogs behind me. Wait, over here. Side, yeah. <laughs> paintings, watercolor paintings that my friends gave me. Now, even though I haven't been on stage for a long time, I still get to express that creativity. I still get to interact with other people in collaborative storytelling, right? Yeah. I run, you know, D&D games for a living, and it's so much fun taking the shy players and giving them characters that they're passionate about and seeing them step into those roles and become awesome, right? That's what we do. We make people feel awesome. Wait, um, so what? I'm curious then. So do you, do you create the characters and like you go through the character sheet and and figure out what their, their stamina is and like all of this stuff? Great question. No, those are decisions that they make, but I walk them through the process step by okay. step. One, to make sure that they are... I want people to have viable characters. I don't have them overpowered, you know, broken characters, but, you know, so that they are good at the things they want to be good at. Mm -hmm. I, I read all the rule books so that my players don't have to if they don't have the time to. But I talk to them about what sort of characters inspire them, what sort of movies or books that they like, to get a feel for how they want to express themselves, how they want to feel awesome. And so I'll make suggestions, and sometimes they take my suggestions, sometimes they don't. And I'll work together with them to build their backstory, you know, and fit it into the campaign that I have. So if I run the same campaign for two different parties, I'm going to run it in two very different ways because they're different characters in play and they make different choices that affect the narrative. That's another thing I love about Evermore is the narrative would change based on decisions that world walkers made or key events that were turning points that would take things in a different trajectory. I, I get to do that. And it's a lot of fun. And you confessed to me before the stream, and I'm going to feel like I have to call you out. You've only played D and D one time. Hey, listen, you can call me out on a lot of things. I've shared th that I love cats. Like cat <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think it's incredible, D&D. &D, I think it's a fun game. It's so, there's so much to it. But I actually find more joy watching people play because I, I love, I love movies. I love film. I love reading. I love books. Like, I, I even love video games that have story. But I, I have found that I like to watch it. Like, I, I actually sit in my office. So I have three jobs. I have three full-time jobs. So I don't sleep a lot. But one of them, I work for full-time jobs. If it's eight hours a day, that's no sleep at all. Yeah. So you you can imagine that my evenings are packed and my weekends are packed. So, but my my job, my eight to five is I work for a criminal background screening company. So I essentially, cool. I legally <laughs> stalk people through the court system. So I know a lot about a people in their criminal history. But. I sit in my office and I actually listen to a, a her name is Kelsey and Peaches May and Peachy K actually, but that's her sim. She plays the Sims professionally and I oh. love the Sims, but, but what, why I'm telling you that is because I love, I love the joy that people get playing the game. And I, I love 
hearing their creativity or their their ideas, especially the DMs. Like we had a really neat event that happened at Evermore a couple of weeks ago called the Convergence. <laughs> if you know who Quincy's Quincy is from Quincy's Tavern, love they, his content. He's amazing and the nicest dude, nicest my, guy. My wife got into Quincy during the pandemic, into watching his content, I mean. Yeah. And she was like, oh, he's, he's doing this tavern. He just talks at the tavern. I'm like, that's a brilliant idea. Why didn't I think of it first? So I decided I was going to go hate watch Quincy's tavern. You can't. You can't. I was like, this guy had such a good idea. I can't believe he's been. Oh, oh, he's so sweet. And I feel seen. And oh, I want to go to this tavern. And like two, two. Two videos in, and I just melted and became a Quincy stand. Just such a nice guy. He's amazing. He really is. And going back to the kindness thing, I actually had a conversation with him on the second or no, the last day of the conference, the convergence, the conference is essentially it was a D and D, whatever, whatever. It was very heavily influenced by D and D, but we were talking about how, I mean, good and bad comes with a lot of stuff that we do, right? And I experienced a lot of bad as Violet Atkinson and my my sometimes overshadows some of the the really good things. And and I just I was having a conversation with with him and this other lady that works at Evermore. She's lovely. Her name is Wendy. And she was talking about how sometimes patrons of the park will get a little bit too into the game and and get kind of mean sometimes. And we were talking about how Quincy, we never experienced that with, with that whole week of the convergence. We never experienced anybody being cruel or mean because they felt like they could or because they wanted their character to be that. Everybody was so kind. It, and it was very much like gay pride to me in the sense that when I go to pride, all you feel is love and acceptance. And that's what it was with the convergence. The kindness was literally the driving force. And that's what I feel like he welcomes in. And so it was so fascinating to to watch that and the way he interacted with his guests. And that's that's essentially why I like D&D. But but the convergence, we had D&D games. We had like, I think they're called one shots. Again, I'm not as super. Yeah. I'm one shot game that has a beginning and an end. Yeah. Wraps it all up in one session. One shot. And we had a lot of those and and people wanted to play. And it was I, I say this a lot, but it was it was magical watching it because these people they heal from they heal from it, and I, maybe that's a driving force for you and wanting to be a, a being the professional DM is is not only fun for you but also to to see what it does for people, and and I think that's why I I, I love watching it. I I again I don't have a lot of free time. So that's why I enjoy like listening to it, podcasts and stuff like that. But I can't participate in it because I have to work a lot. <laughs> I'm kind of the same way. I don't get to be a player very often. Running the games. For yeah. Helping them. It's nice to just get home, play a video game by myself and be a protagonist for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always the villain. I'm always the villain. But I'm such a nice guy on the inside. I just am scary looking and scary sounding. Scary looking and scary sounding. I I was yeah. actually listening to you talk. I was thinking you you could narrate audiobooks and I would gladly listen to them and fall asleep to them. Your voice is incredible. <laughs> oh, I put you to sleep. That makes me sad. No, that's a compliment. <laughs> what I'll need to do is I'll have to read some scary audiobooks. Which I would I listen to and gladly relax and you. Dream, horrid dream. 
as my voice infiltrates the crevices of your mind. Haunts you. I, I welcome it. I work for a criminal background screening company and a theme park that they're like biggest, most wonderful. I mean, all the seasons are great, but we love the dark stuff. <laughs> so we at work at my the criminal background screening we actually we read a lot of pretty intense charges obviously and when we get like a murder charge we will actually go and look for there are multiple podcasts like murder podcasts and stuff and we will are you find a fan of only murders how, in the building say again only murders in the building on watch it love it i'm obsessed oh, so good okay. i love it but also it's got Martin Short and Steve Martin in it and and my queen, Selena. I'm obsessed. She held her own and she owned that show. She really did. I heard it was those guys and her and I'm like, is she going to be that good? No, she was that good. She was. I was a doubter. She made me a believer. Steve Martin is actually like him and Jennifer Coolidge are my comedic idols. Like I'm obsessed with them. Very I think cool. they're so good. And so... Tina Fey. And Tina Fey, yeah, she's wonderful. And that's she was because she's only got a scar in her face because I have a scar in my face. I have multiple. Do you have scars a cool story about how you got the scar? So when I was little, so I love dogs. I love, I love dogs. But when I was little, I wanted to be a drummer. And dogs have soft spots on their tails, much like a baby on their head. But I was making my own sweet beats, and I tapped my dog on the tail on, on the tail with a stick, and he actually it hurt him, so he retaliated and. He actually ripped my face off. So, like, I have a, a horse. You can probably, you can kind of maybe see it. I have a horseshoe no. scar. It um. goes here, up. And then he almost took my eye out. So I have an, it looks like a cursive F. And then he ripped my cheek off. And they had to graft it together. And this looks like a velociraptor. That is a terrifying story. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> And then my, I have a scar across my chin right here, so you can see it in the shadow. And then he ripped my lip off of my mandible or my jaw, and so they had to sew it back on. So they reconstructed half of my face. Wow. Well, it's a good face. Good job. Thanks. But yeah, that's why I love Tina Fey because I'm like, girl, she got. I mean, her. If you read her book, it's pretty intense, like my story. But that's why I'm like, she's got a scar on her face, and she's absolutely stunning. Ugh, I love her. I, love I like her. have chills thinking of that story right now. I have little kids and I want them to be safe. Yeah. I like dogs. Well, I love dogs. I'm a dog trainer. Like I, <laughs> I'm not afraid of them. So. Yeah. You are, you are the dominant now. You, I am. you I'm are alpha over those dogs. Dominant. No dog will ever bite you again. I'm well, that's not true. I actually, I got bit on my mission. I served a mission for the, for, for my church and. I got bit on my mission because we were doing service and they were like, can you try my dog? And I was like, sure. And it bit my hand and I was like, it didn't hurt as much as this, obviously. <laughs> but I've been I bit have, a couple times. I have a 13-year-old border collie. She's very old, very sweet, very smart girl. She doesn't get to play fetch as much as she used to because she's so old. But yeah. if she ever like bit my three-year-old, I would know that he started it and he deserved it because she is so sweet and so mild-mannered and my three-year-old is the three-year-old. You're right. See, that's yeah. the thing. You you learn you learn about your animal and their personality and you do, you know. Like, the dog that bit me, I loved him so much. He was my best friend. His name was Gonzo, but he, we didn't work with him. We didn't give him a, a true opportunity to, like, 
be the goodest boy he could be. So the poor thing. <laughs> poor Gonzo. Yeah. Right. Right, well, sense. Tana, it has been so awesome talking to you. I know. I love you so much. Seriously. You are I love awesome. you so much. Uh, you you need to like, come yes. hang out with me and Bethany because we still I would talk love about it. you. Um, I would love it. We still talk about you. We were so excited when we became Facebook friends with you and then we had never hung out because the world ended. And yeah. Didn't, and here we are. In the aftertime. I'm just like <laughs> super honored that you shout out to your previous guests for saying that they like working with me but like oh yeah rachel ann thinks you're great courtney thinks you're great jamie thinks you're great i love them i Um, love they kept bringing you up and i'm like okay it's time it's time (laughs) to actually meet tana because lady violet was great but now i actually get to meet tana and i'm hoping that we find cool ways to collaborate in the future Maybe a Sweeney Todd and Mrs. Lovett. We'll see. Or maybe something else. We'll work up to that. Part of the 10-year plan. Yeah. 10-year, 20-year, you know, every 10 years. (laughs) You see, you can play those characters at any age. So You can. It's fine. They can can. be young. They can be old. Like, we can't age out of them. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And what do you want our listeners to know? Where can they find you? What What should they do to get more tenanigans in their life? Literally follow me on Instagram, Tenanigans. It's literally just Tenanigans. I do this thing called You're the Onesie I Want, where my incredible friends that I meet at the theaters out here, we sing Broadway songs in onesies. I have a closet. I would show you, but my room is a mess right now. But I have 40 onesies. And we... 40 onesies? <laughs> yes. Oh, my I gosh. Love I love onesies. I really do. So anyway, yeah, so they they pick onesies out or they have their own and they come on and... So yeah, you're the ones that I want. That's on the TikTok and Instagram. <laughs> you're gonna send and, me a link to that, and I'm gonna put that in the description when I when I repost this, so that everybody can see all forty of these onesies. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much, Tana, and thank you, listeners, and have a great week, everybody. Bye. Thanks. Bye.